0: Man, I love that song, it's one of my tops, it's uh, it's on my uh, favorites list, whatever, that's ever, ever changing, but that's one of those that's been there for a while. I like going to it, I just like recognizing and acknowledging uh, what Francis Chan calls the forgotten God, because... We do emphasize the Father, uh, we do acknowledge the Son, uh, but sometimes we kind of forget the Spirit. It's kind of, you know, either you're kind of from this tradition that uh, the Spirit's work's really not that big of a deal, or it's overemphasized, that it's everything. And so it's somewhere we've got we to gotta figure that tension out. In fact, so, uh, you know, we're going to be going after this series uh, on margin through Ecclesiastes. We're going to be doing kind of an expatopical series on the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The title of the, we're going to kick it off on Easter Sunday, so I'm warning you now. Okay, uh, kicking it off on Easter Sunday. The title of the series is "Get Lit." Okay, so if you know anybody who doesn't go to church and you invite them here on Easter Sunday, that they're going to get lit on Easter Sunday, they may not get the same kind of lit they thinking about. All right. So, but we're going to talk about that. Remain in that tension of that a little bit because when Paul is talking to the church in Ephesians, he's literally doing a little play on words here. And we're going to capitalize on that same play on words, but we're going to do it into the summer months. And so I'm looking forward to that series about just learning to live in the awareness of what does it mean for the Spirit of God to be manifesting Himself in my life on a day in, day out basis. And I promise you, if you live in that awareness in the full of that spirit. Even those around you will know the beautiful intoxicating spirit that is a part of you and how it has changed you and altered how you live work, learn, and play how you do what you do in your life. But today, we're not there. We're going to be there in a few weeks. We are wrapping up. We're The landing gear is coming out on the plane. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, so you can be finding that. We'll be there in a moment. Uh, we're putting um, the finishing touches. I knew going away to Greece, coming back, that we'd be kind of putting the the landing gear down and landing this in the next two weeks. And I was thinking, okay, how do we do this? This series has been going on since January and really kind of looking through and looking ahead and where, I thought, okay, obviously, where, as Solomon's writing out his memoirs here, he's kind of, he's kind of bringing it to a head. And especially next week, he's going to really bring it to a head. So go ahead and read Ecclesiastes 12 this week. Prepare for that. But today, we're in Ecclesiastes 10. And so you can find that. Next week, we're going to be talking about the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. And so that will be next week. This week, I want to talk about the 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 need for us to sharpen ourselves to be sharp think of yourself as an axe head think of yourself as having a blade having uh you can be dull you can be sharp and we're going to talk about that today in, in in this text this series has been i think good for a lot of people as it's challenged and grown us i've heard different people say different things what was going on in their life one there's a there's kind of this uh Kind of aha moments, self evaluation, uh, self assessment. Uh, there's this becoming self aware of where you're at. You're realizing maybe in some areas of your life you're not fully. Uh, getting the priorities in order. And we did a margin audit. In fact, I've misplaced mine. Uh, from Oh, here it is. Uh, they're on the back table on your way out if you want to grab one of these and just kind of work through maybe different buckets of your life. If you haven't done this, I would recommend that. It gives you kind of a 30,000-foot 30, 30, look down on your life. How are you doing in the major buckets of your life and for what is making space for what matters most? Then in that, in that self-evaluation, it's moved to an assessment. What's most important? What is most important in my life? Have I made space for that? We've had groups that have been making space for what matters most. And it's in those groups, some of them are going to keep going on. They've built, built community. They say, hey, we're not done with this. We need to keep going on. We need to keep doing life together. And that's what we love is doing that one another life together, uh, helping one another out through life. But the next part is hard. Some people become self-aware. Some people assess, okay, things are not in line. But then the next one is what am I going to do about it? Am I ready to make the changes? And Am I ready to see the changes take place in my life? Am I ready to make the sacrifices and to introduce the change that needs to be introduced into my life so that I can make space for what matters most? And this is where it gets hard. This is where even in my life, in preparing this series of messages, I knew where we were going. And I realized as I was having these spinning plates at the beginning of the year that I can't keep all these plates spinning. There will be plates crashing. And when they do, they make messes and noises and people get hurt. And I don't want people to get hurt. And I don't want people's expectations to be let down. So as I'm spinning these plates, I've got to figure out how to get all these plates to stop spinning or to get the ones that don't matter as much off my, plate, off my, off my responsibility so it's been a journey for me. Uh, I've had to say no to some things that I want to say yes to. You're going to have to do that in life. You're going to have to learn to say no to some things you want to say yes to because you're going to say yes to what matters most. If you say yes to everything, you will not be able to say no to anything, and pretty soon you will be spinning plates and plates will be falling. Marginless living, listen to this, is... A form is living a self-abuse. You are literally abusing yourself when you live a marginless life. You can't keep abusing yourself and love yourself well. And we're told to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So it's okay. You can love self. But we can't continue to overtax our budgets, overtax our relationships, live a life without margin, and expect that to be okay. We're going to have to back out and make priority for what matters most. I've heard people in this series make commitments. I'm going to live a healthier life. I've been putting the wrong things in, garbage in, garbage out. I can't keep doing that. I've reached an age. My metabolism is, is the only thing that's not working anymore. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do about it? That's right. They became self-aware. They set a priority. And now they're doing the hard adjustments of that. Financial Peace University has been going on. We had 20 families enroll in it. I think most of them have stayed in it. When they started off on day one, they measured up, counted up all the amount of money that they had in debt beyond mortgage. Over 19 people, mind you, excuse me, 19 families, mind you, $800,000 in just consumable debts. A lot of debt. I admire those families for becoming self-aware and realizing things have got to change. Things can't keep going on the same. And now we're making changes. And if you know the Dave Ramsey mentality, it's making snowballs so that they can see a snowball effect to get rid of the debt of their life. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. I love it when people make space for God in their life. One person met me out in the gallery area about, about a month ago. In fact, it was a month ago. He reminded me of that today. First gathering, sat right back in this corner. He, he told me, he said, you, you, you challenged me, and I kind of forgot about it. You challenged me to read through the Proverbs over the next month. So I, I have made space in my life to meet with God on a regular basis, and God met with me the very first day. And now I can't wait to get back there day after day as I read one chapter a day. Making space for what matters most means you're going to have to say no to some things so that you can say yes to what matters most. What are you making margin for? What in your life? Here, I'd love to know. Write me an email. You just write me an email and just put in the, in the subject line uh, my margin or my making margin, and I would love to hear from you. And so I could be praying for you, walking with you, and if you have any questions, and I can help you, or maybe you can help me uh, with margin. Margin is defined, as we say here, margin is the space between the load and the limits, okay, what I'm carrying and the limits I'm, 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 I can handle, and the Lord and His leading. Sometimes we take on things that God doesn't want us to take on and we're going to have to say no. How do we do that? A couple of quick antidotes, if you will, just to get the ball rolling to talk about creating margin. One is you've got to set boundaries in your life. Now, you don't get to always establish those boundaries. Sometimes you need to go back and ask what the uh, moral code of conduct is from God's Word. God gives us tons of principles throughout His Word from the beginning to the end. And we need to set those boundaries, set our life off those boundaries. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-eight. listen to this. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set by your ancestors. Through the years, God has used Abraham, Isaacs, and Jacobs, and Jeremiah's and Ruth, and Esther's, and Naomi's. He's used the people of the Scriptures to set boundaries out there, give us principles and precepts that we can set our bank, our life off of. We need to go back and measure our life off Scripture. Am I setting myself? Do I have the right boundaries in my relationship, the right boundaries in my finances, the right boundaries on my job, work-life balance? The so I boundaries in the various pockets and bodies. Of my life, do I have the right boundaries there? God puts them there for our good. Proverbs 25 28 says, A person without self control, or maybe a person without boundaries, is like a city with broken down walls. Basically, he can be easily overtaken. You got to set boundaries for your life. Number two is you got to live with resiliency. You've got to figure out what it's going to take to recharge you, to resharpen your axe head. Again, I'm going to use that as the metaphor because Solomon's going to use it here in a moment. The metaphor is the axe head. Your life is the axe head. How are you going to be resilient in the task, in the duties, in the responsibilities, in the life that you live? How are you going to build that resiliency in so that you can keep on going? Because I have enough time in every single day to do God's will with grace and truth. It's a life principle. If I ever get to the point that I am losing it with my family, I'm short-tempered, or I am compromising something morally or ethically, then I've stepped outside of grace and truth. And I need to come back into that and i'm outside of the will of god if i can't do everything in with grace and truth then i need to move something off of my plate jesus said he said in his own words he said all you who are weary and heavy laden basically all of you who don't have marching all of you who are overloaded what are you supposed to do he tells us what we're supposed to do matthew 11 29 he says take the yoke i give you i I'm going to give you, take off your yoke, put on my yoke. It doesn't mean we're a yoke-free life. It doesn't mean we're not going to have responsibilities. It doesn't mean there's not going to be tasks to carry out and carry on. But to take his yoke, put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you will find rest. Rest under his load. Now, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I'm going to read this first part and it just shows you again... A little bit of Solomon in his his ways here. Uh, And again, Hebrew poetry as well. Uh, It kind of jumps in and you kind of have to figure it out as you go. So this is the very first words in chapter 10, verse 1. He says, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. Doesn't that just inspire your soul? (laughs) Dead flies make the perfume stink. Now we don't put our perfume out so take off the lids we have them in little spray bottles or something like that put caps on them and lids on them so let's kind of let's but let's kind of keep that metaphor there because that's maybe the ointment that they would put on would be an open open jar and a fly would get in it and it would stink and all that kind of stuff let's take it to something that we can relate to today okay who likes coffee raise you up your coffee cup because you probably have one with you if you don't right, right keep your hand up i want to see who all's a joe drinker in here all right good legal addictives, Okay. addictives, uh, stimulants throughout the day. All right, you can put it down. Now, I'm going to ask you to raise it again. Now, if, uh, if you like coffee and, um, and uh, you like yours with cream in it, raise your hand. Or some kind of fruit fruit in there, okay? That's most everyone. All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If you like coffee with fruit fruit in it, then you're going to attract a fly every now and then. if your coffee looks like this... All right, now, all those who raised your hand with the coffee with the cream in it, raise your hand up again. How many of y'all are going to drink that cup of coffee when you see that fly in there? All right. There's a few sick people in the house. Or you're asking the next question, is there any more coffee? Because if there's not, I'm a scooper and I'm going to be a drinker after that. Uh, So, you know, whatever you may be, I, I, I thought there's going to be some smart aleck in the room who's going to say, yeah, I'll drink a coffee with a fly in it. Well, just so you know, this is according to Penn, Penn, University, uh, Penn State University, that houseflies can transmit 65 different diseases such as typhoid, dysentery, and cholera. Now, how many of y'all are going to drink that coffee now? So a little risky. All right, there's a few on the front row here. Stay away from them. Um, so with that, here's a beautiful cup of coffee with a great aroma in it. Probably that fly didn't mess with that much. But we're not going to drink it because it's contaminated. We don't know what's dirty. We don't know how, how far it's gone. We don't know if it's got dysentery, if it's if it's got cholera. It, we we don't know those kinds of things. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dump it out and get all over. If your life is that ointment or if your life is that cup of Joe and you get a simple little fly in it, it's going to mess the whole thing up. Sometimes, listen to this. It can be the little things that messes up the big thing. If we don't take care of the little things, such as sharpening our life, it will mess up the big picture. Solomon, in this entire chapter, he's going to talk about fool and folly and foolishness. And he's going to use nine different times, verse 2, verse 3, verse 6, verse 12, 13, 14, and 15. He's going to use the word fool, foolishness, folly. Um, and he's going to use this word over and over again to talk about a life of a fool. And let's 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 keep reading now. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So you can have just you can have all kinds of wisdom, you can have all kinds of honor, but you add a little bit of foolishness in it, and it messes the whole thing up. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, and a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. He says to everyone that he is a fool. With his actions, he is a fool. I do not want to live the life of a fool. What Solomon brings to our attention here is it's not always the big things. When I think of foolishness, I think of, uh, uh, of sleeping around and doing drugs and drinking and, and getting drunk. I think that's foolishness. Oh, I, I think of a life of arrogance and pride. That's foolishness. But Solomon is going to give us little flies and he's going to actually do it throughout the rest of the chapter. He's going to give several little examples of if you do this, this is foolishness. If you do this, this is folly. If you do this, this is unwise. And so let us pay attention to this verse 10. We're going to only pick out one of them. If an iron is blunt, dull. Okay. It doesn't have an edge to it anymore. If, the iron is blunt, if the axe head, some translations say, is dull, the one does not sharpen the edge. Okay? The axe is dull and no one sharpens the edge. What must he do? He must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. I want to talk about your life as a dull axe head. That, that if you're not careful, you will live a life with a dull axe head. And what are you going to do? Because number one, the mistake that we can make is living with a dull axe. It's not, it's not being aware that life itself just creates dull axes. Uh, that life itself, as we go through life and we be through life and we, and we live out our life, that it will make us dull. And sometimes people are unaware of that. Without the knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God, John Calvin said. What will make a person dull? One thing that will make a person dull is unconfessed sin. There's no doubt that if I live with a secret part of my life, unconfessed, unrepented of, blatant towards God, and I want to make up my own rules as I go, then guess what? That will lead to a blunt, dull life inside of myself. Look at the life of David in his own life. David was a powerful king, the father of Solomon, the, one, the writer of this book. Maybe he was thinking of dad, I don't know. But here he is. He should have been at war, but he instead he was on top of his roof looking at Bathsheba. He should have been looking at his own wife, but instead he was looking at somebody else's wife, and he calls him to her side. He should have run in the other direction, but instead he calls her to his side. And so he should have sent her away in repented. Instead, he covered it up and killed her husband. You can see he's just getting deeper and deeper, more dull, more dull, more blunt, more blunt with his life. And for a year... Scholars estimate that he runs from God until Nathan the prophet stands before him, calls him out. And he remembers that day like it was yesterday when he wrote Psalm 32, verse 3. He said, when I kept silent, when I kept silent. For that year that I didn't say anything, I kept it to myself. My bones became brittle from my groaning. Your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained. You hear the dullness of his soul, the weakness of his life because of unconfessed, unrepented of sin. When he gets right with God, you read Psalm 51 and you can read his prayer of confession in detail. But you got to remember what he says in verse 1. How happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. See, he remembers back To that time of being broken, weighted down with sin, dull, where he didn't have the energy to live out his life. And he kept hiding his sin and hiding it and burying it and burying it. And that, my friend, will make you dull and weak in life. Living with unyielding stress. Living with the bow always bent in the Greek proverb. Living with a constant tension on your life will lead you to a life of dullness. Life itself just makes us dull if we're not aware. Richard Swenson in his book On Margin said this, Margin is the threshold phenomenon. Margin and stress are related. More and more, of everything faster and faster, a a a progress collide with human limits. At precisely that point, load became overload. And at that same moment, our margin disappeared. When you live a life without margin, you are living under stress. When you're living constant tension of stress, you are going to live a life without margin. Society demands more and more and more of us. We wake up by alarm clocks. We race, we hit, after hitting snooze a few times, we race through uh, through the house, getting everyone ready, out the door, feeding everyone on the way in the car. As we get to work, we are then notified of all the things that we have going on. We have meetings over lunch and lunch over meetings. And then we, we finish up the day by going through some drive through to get dinner, to go home to watch The Bachelor to dream of a better life. <laughs> the life that we live. Constant stress will beat you down, and make you dull. David, again, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because of the people. You ever felt like if it weren't for the people, life would be better? David was a king, and he was greatly distressed. The demands of life will make you dull. I want you to hear that. The sins of our soul will make us dull. Archibald Hart said, humans are designed for camel travel, but most people are now acting like supersonic jets. In a nutshell, most of us are living at too fast a pace. The pace of modern life is stretching all of us beyond the limits, and we are are paying for this abuse in hard, painful currency of stress and anxiety, plain and simple. What do you do with this? Man, I can't do anything about my work. I can't do... You, if you don't take control of your life, everyone else will take control of your life. If you don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm dull. I'm weak. I'm tired. I'm burned out. I'm ready to quit it all. What you're saying there... Is I have nothing left. I have no edge on my on my axe head. I have nothing to drive at. I have nothing to beat at. You got two options. All all I see are two options. I can either keep grinding it out or I can stop and sharpen the axe head. Which then leads me to the second way we can mismanage this. A second mistake is failing to sharpen. The dull axe. Okay, life is going to make the axe dull. That's just the way it is. We're going to have to sharpen the kitchen knives. We're going to have to sharpen the blade on the mower. We're going to have to do these things in life because life in this normal day wear and tear of life will make a bladed edge dull. But if we don't take time to sharpen it, that's a failure. He says in that verse, verse 10, he said, the iron is blunt and One does not sharpen the edge. Failing to sharpen the dull axe is as much a mistake as having a dull axe. Let me give you an example. Get married. Go five years. Go ten years. Go fifteen. I don't know how long you need to go. And you wake up one day and you look across the bed or you look across the room and you go, really? You don't say it. For the rest of our life. Really? It's got kind of dull. You know? It's kind of bland. Kind of boring. What do you do about it? You just, what you just declared is, my marriage is, has a dull axe head. Okay, here's one option. You can go find you another brand new, shiny, bright, and shiny, polished up axe head. That's one option. Or you can sharpen the axe head that you got. Job stinks. I can't stand it. The boss is this and the employees are that, and no one ever listens to me. I just need to move. Okay. Go find you a new job, work with some other sinful, ridden, hedonistic suckers, and see what happens to that axe said. Or you can figure out how to sharpen the axe. You see what I'm saying? Life itself is going to do that. You can either just trash it all. My prayer life is dull. I can't pray. God never hears my prayer and I I offer it all the time. So I'm just not going to pray. Or you can get with some brothers and sisters and let them pray with you. Find a mentor to pray with you. You see what I'm saying? We've got to take ownership of the dull areas of our life because they will not sharpen on their own. They don't just sharpen in midair. They don't just do it themselves. We are going to have to take initiatives. What are some initiatives? This coming uh, month, we're going to have at the end of this month a marriage enrichment time that is literally about building resiliency into a marriage about sharpening the axe head of the marriage are you ready for that some people are thinking you oh, yeah i don't know our marriage is probably okay right now you know what you're telling me you're telling me you've been beating your axe head and it's okay right now we're still cutting hot butter but it's not great or it's great so we don't really need it could be but what will happen tomorrow See, what we have got to do is we got to be keenly aware that I am responsible for making sure my axe head is sharpened. Again, remind you, the axe, the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge. Nobody's going to come sharpen your edge for you. I'm going to have to take initiative and sharpen the edge for myself in the different areas of my life. Three ways to sharpen your life. We're talking about All the negative, let me give you three ways. Number one, live in a rhythm. Live in a healthy rhythm, I should say. Live in a healthy rhythm. If you don't have an example, you don't have a mentor, you don't have somebody to kind of follow after, somebody who's lived and done it well for a long season of life, you don't have an example like, follow Jesus. Here's a a Bible study assignment for you this week. Read the first five chapters of Mark. Okay, easy enough, right? Seven days a week, it gives you two cheat days, uh, so you don't have to. So you read five days a week, you read, you read Mark. And you just read, what does, Mark, what does Jesus do in chapter 1 uh, in, in, both, uh, in, in rhythms? And you're going to notice that Jesus in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, He is going to breathe in and He's going to breathe out. He's going to take in, He's going to exhale out. How does He do that? If you read chapter 1, you're going to read how he teaches and casts out demons and crowds were healed. But in verse 35, he went away to a secluded place praying. Chapter 2, you're going to read how a paralytic man was healed. And he he calls another disciple to journey with him. In verse 27, he points to religious leaders and tells them that Sabbath was made for man. In chapter 3, he healed a man with a withered hand, but in verse 7, Jesus withdrew to the sea. You see him breathing in, you see him breathing out. In in chapter 4, he teaches a large crowd. In verse 10, he got alone with his disciples. In the same chapter, after teaching on the parables of the mustard seed, in verse 36, he leaves the crowd. Breathing in, breathing out. Healthy rhythms. Chapter 5, he cast out demons, sent uh, the demons into a bunch of pigs, and then Jesus took off in a boat to the other side of the lake. He's breathing in. He's breathing out. Sometimes we're just breathing out. Sometimes we're just exhaling. We need to breathe in. We need to breathe out. We need to get alone with God. We need to go into this world and do ministry. We need to breathe in and breathe out. Here's what I want you to hear. This may be revolutionary for you. Self-care is never selfish. I'm not saying become self-centered. That is sin. But self-care is never selfish. When you breathe in and you take rest and you take time away and you do what is good for the body, the soul, and the spirit, that's a good thing. And you'll be a better husband. You'll be a more patient father or mother. You'll be better all the way around. You'll be a better employee. You'll bring more to the table and so on. Listen, number two, listen to those who challenge you. Get people in your life that will get in your business that will tell you what you don't want to hear, all right? That will call you out with Scripture and truth, with truth and grace. You need people. I need people like that, Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. This is what will sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron. You ever thought about that? Metal on metal, sharpening that edge of that sword, that edge of that axe head. It's going to be violent. It's going to be sparks. There's going to be friction. There's going to be heat. But what happens? So one man sharpens another. You need people in your life. Who's your one another's? Who's your one another's? And who are you doing one another's with? Number three, practice Sabbath. We all need to practice Sabbath. This is that rest, that intentional rest where we pull aside in God's perfect world. What did He do? He gave mankind earth care. Take care of my earth. Don't abuse it. Don't neglect it. Take care of it. And oh, by the way, here's a man and a woman. I'm going to put you together. This is a beautiful marriage. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is in a perfect world. He brings them together for life together. Beautiful. What we espouse and aspire to. But he also said, take rest. He took rest. In a world that was perfect, he took rest. At the world's beginning, God finishes the first week with extending to the whole creation a gift, a day to stop, to breathe, to cease, to enjoy, to feast. God named it Sabbath. The Sabbath day. Time of honored, and approved, God-sustained, nourished human communities. I'd say also it sharpens them. And all creation since the origins of the world. What is it in your life right now? Where are you like, I don't have it? I don't have the energy? I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overworked. I, I, I can't give anymore? To a relationship, to a job, to... Dream to a calling to a calling of God. What's out of balance? The rhythms, listening and having one another's in your life, maybe Sabbath. In this series that we've talked about a lot of different things, and I can't review them all, I want you to be listening to what God is saying to you, but if you don't take time and breathe in and listen to Him, the challenge this week is for you to find and write out your own manifesto. We want you to write out your own margin manifesto to be exact. It's your challenge, okay, It's your homework to write out your own margin manifesto. What has God taught you that you are going to implement into your life that when we close the book and we go on in, from this series that you're going to live differently because you've built margin into your life? Because if you don't do it now, you won't do it next week and you won't do it the next week and pretty soon you're going to be overcrowded because what did I say? You have two options. Keep grinding it out or stop and sharpen yourself. My manifesto, I've shared it with you before, It's pretty simple. But because I believe God deserves my best and my first, my best and my first, my best and my first, I want to give God the first moment in every day. I want to give God the first day out of every week. I want to give God the first dime out of every dollar. I want to give God the first consideration in every decision. That's my manifesto. And I have to filter my life through that. Hopefully that will keep margin in my life. What's your manifesto? Because you've got two options. Grind it out or stop and sharpen. Lastly, number three. Mistake we can make. These are mistakes. Hopefully you're going to not do the mistakes. Continue to work your, with your dull axe. Just continue to pound away. Just continue to chop, 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 chop. Even with that dull axe accent. That's a dangerous thing. It's an exhausting thing. It wears you out and it wears you thin and you don't have anything to give. Patience gone, finished and done. And you say to yourself, but if I go in a little early, if I work a little longer, if my lunch breaks are a little shorter, I can get more done. And if I get more done, then I'll have more success. And if I success more, then I'll get more toys. I'll get more money to buy more toys or to go into debt if I don't get the money. And you can see how this just snowballs and end up more and more and more and more and more and more and and we got to stop it, stop it, stop it. He said, let me read the whole verse again. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, what, what will happen? He must use more strength. He will just keep pounding and pounding. He'll go into work earlier. He'll work longer and so forth and so on. I want you to read with me out loud. Psalm 127, verse 2. Read it with me. It is useless. Read it with me. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest. Read that last phrase with me again for god gives rest i challenge you to use the little phrase that has been books have been written off of it work smarter not harder what do you, well, how do you do that where do you get that mike look at verse 10 the last part it said we can work harder must use more strength but wisdom It's not more strength. It's not beating with a dull accent. But wisdom helps one to succeed. It's wisdom that's going to give me the perspective that I need. Oh, that's what's most important. Oh, that's what I need to give my resources and time and energy to. Oh, that's what's most valuable in life. Wisdom opens up life from all the choices. And you go, yes, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's the most important thing. That's why I'm saying no to this so I can say yes to the most. Wisdom is the one that helps you find success. Wisdom moves us forward. Chuck Swindoll said in his book, Living on the Ragged Edge, which I love the title in light of this topic today. Wisdom is the God-given ability to see life with rare objectivity and to handle life with rare stability. Wisdom helps one to succeed. Where do I find this secret sauce? Where is it out there in this world? Well, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. This, this all, this connected relationship with the God of the universe, that's where it begins. It's, 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 it's realizing I'm not God, but He is, and I'm going to go with Him, and I'm going to follow Him, and I'm going to keep my eyes on Him, and I'm going to listen to Him. But if I don't make space for Him... How will I ever hear Him? Listen, let me say something to you. This is not meant to cast judgment because it can be a temptation of mine any given day of the week. But the number of people that I meet with that are followers of Christ, and I believe it with all my heart, and when I ask them, what's God teaching you? Where are you at in the Word? And they have nothing. And it's not because they don't want to be in the Word. It's not because they they don't desire. Nine out of ten will say, Man, it's just so hard to get out of bed early. I just don't have time. And I get it. You don't have time. And you won't have time. And you never will have time until you make time for what matters most. The fear of the Lord is where it begins. The respectful, intimate, awe relationship with the God of the universe is where it all begins. At that point, you enter into that. Then in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, You ask of me, if you want wisdom, you ask of me and I will give it to you freely. It will overflow out of your life, that kind of wisdom. Would you just bow your head with me for a moment? As we sit in these moments and think about our own accent, our own life, would you classify yourself as having a sharpened, finely sharpened, effectively and efficiently sharpened accent? Your life is that way? are you absolutely dull and blunt and tired and give out and ready to quit somewhere in the spectrum of that of, of those two everyone in this room is reengage that relationship with god Enter back into that fear, all love, respecting relationship with God. If I ever find in my life that I have stopped giving Him the first moments of my day, the first day out of my... If I ever stop giving Him the first dime out of every dollar if I ever stop giving him the first consideration in every decision, I can tell you within weeks, within a month, I will notice significant changes in my life. I want you to have some space today to consider where you're at. And you may take the entire time and begin to write out, writing out your margin manifesto man, we want to share it because I'd love to share this around the world so that start a movement of margin. Post it, take a photo of it, do whatever, pray it, share it with your one another, brothers and sisters. Share it with me. I'll pray for you specifically. But let's start building a life that's resilient with boundaries that are biblically based that will sharpen us. Father God, You know where we're at. Don't let us hide. Speak to us now.